start off with a prayer I welcome all of you. Good morning, good evening to this uh, session. So, icebreaker for the day. Uh, we are going through this, uh, you know, uh, once in every three, 30, 34 to 36 months, I don't exactly know, there is uh, an adjustment, astrological adjustment, whatever Hindu calendars do. It is called as Adhika Masa, okay? Adhika Masa means they give one extra month. Adhik is one uh, in more and Masa is month. They give one extra month to adjust something, okay? Do you know what, what exactly we adjust? So let me just, uh, uh, you know, share what I learned a couple of days back. Of course, if you ask me more questions, I will not know the answers, but okay. ask questions so that I can go find out the answers and come back again. It'll be interesting for me too. So here's what it is, right? Apparently, uh, the Indian calendars, we have these two calendars, right? The solar calendar and the lunar calendar. And uh, uh, we follow the uh, uh, lunar calendar in India. And uh, there is, of course, there's also some, some other set of people who follow solar calendars. So if you look at it, in, uh, in what happens during, you know, every sequence of this day and night, you know, once in every 15 days, we have this... Uh, 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 the, the, the movement of the sun and the moon keeps on happening every day, right? The day and day and night keeps happening. And over a period of 15 days, you know, you can see a lot of changes that are happening. So these are displacements that are happening in time and in space. Okay. So please understand whenever the sun and the moon apparent movement and all some space displacement is happening. Some time displacement is, 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 is also happening. We know that both. So, uh, so the, uh, the, uh, Time displacement apparently happens with the movement of sun across the zodiac signs. So there are 12 zodiac signs and each month, and when I say month, please do not think that it is the calendar month like 1 to 30. It is the Indian month, Ashada, uh, Shravana, Palguna kind of, uh, kind of months, right? So the sun moves from one zodiac sign to another zodiac sign in once in every those 28 or 30 days or whatever, right? Whereas the space displacement is not calculated using the sun movement. It is calculated using the moon movement, apparently. Okay. And if you, if you intuitively understand the moon, I mean, uh, the space doesn't have any displacement. So over a period of X number of months, which is 30 to 34, the sun is actually moving or, you know, apparently moving. The moon, uh, the moon's, uh, the space displacement is zero. It is not happening. So someone has to make this adjustment so that the sun and moon, uh, Displacements can apparently get, you know, nullified and then again start. So what happens is they introduce this concept of uh, Adhika Masa, where a period of one month is used to adjust where they make the sun's displacement in time zero, which means it is not moving from one Rashi to another Rashi. Whatever Rashi it was at the beginning of, let's say, uh, July, okay, oh, sorry, August, Okay, it is still the same. Uh, sorry, I don't remember when it was, when it started. I think it started some, sometime in September. Adhikamasa started in September, September 25th, yeah. something like that. 
So whatever it was in the previous month, it stays in the same Rashi. Okay. So it doesn't move. So it's only after two months that it moves to the next Rashi. Okay. So that's how they equate this. And apparently, you know, um, the, it is because you don't have a particular Rashi, like, you know, Simha, Mesha, Makara, you don't call that by a, by a Rashi. They call it as Purushottama Masa. Okay. To give it every, everything to that Bhagavan. Okay. Whatever happens, give it to the Bhagavan. So what's the significance of this Masa is, and first of all, it's called Purushottama Masa because it's meant for the Bhagavan. So the, apparently the most important thing for people to do during this time is the do, do's and don'ts. If we do anything for, you know, Loka Kalyan, right? Or everyone's benefit, apparently the benefit is doubled twice. And if you do anything for your own selfish benefit, no benefit will accrue, apparently. So that's my icebreaker for the day. <clears throat> Interesting. I found this concept of space and time movement displacements and the way that in the Indian calendars, you know, calculate it and also adjust it and also, you know, determine that there's a science behind it was very, very fascinating yesterday. Rajesh, if I may, how do you define the space adjustment? I didn't get, get that properly. So I, I say so here's how I conceptually understood, right? So in the, uh, in the when look, uh, when, when you visualize that there are 12 constellations and the apparent movement of the sun, you know, uh, if you map it out, right? Like, let's say that the sun is at the equator at the peak, right? Um, it goes down to Tropic of Capricorn and then it goes up to Tropic of Cancer. That is what we call as Uttarayana and Dakshinayana. Okay. And now when that movement of, that is the movement of, uh, that, that denotes the movement of time. And space as well, okay, for sun. But the moon, apparently, the uh, the moon, what we see, the, the visual moon that we see is not the real uh, space of the moon. The space of the moon is beyond the Surya Mandal as what they call it, right? So apparently what I understood is that the, uh, the, uh, the visual sun, the moon, what we physically see is not exactly the, uh, the Surya Mandala and the, uh, the Chandra Mandala, okay? Chandra Mandala is beyond beyond Surya Mandala, and and apparently the the moon what we see is just a sort of visual representation of that space which is beyond that which doesn't move. I do not know more details about that. I'm sorry, I I am totally lost for details. But the concept of time and space displacement was very very interesting for me. Excellent. So so, so actually, at some point, it doesn't have to be today. Um, you know, I would, I would really love it if the group were to explore this whole concept of time and the impact on us, because that is seen as one of the three reasons for our unhappiness, as well as for the Gita. And I've been, I've been exploring, you know, our, our association with time, seconds and minutes and days and months and years. Um, so, so, so that is, that is of interest to me. If anybody ever wants to take that up, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're all on the journey to transcend time. If I may ask Vivek, what are the other two? It's, it's ignorance and, uh, uh, well, sor sorrow, uh, uh, you know, considering our default state. This is from the first chapter. Sorrow, right, ignorance, right, yeah. and death. And death, yes, yeah, that's what it was. Death, yeah. Death, yeah. Well, death is associated with the time. Death that we is have. time. Death, death, is, death is a, 
I mean, one, one or the other leads from the other. The fact that we give ourselves very limited time to achieve whatever we want to achieve. And, and, and the antithesis of it is the way that uh, they define God, right? Sat, Chit, Ananda. Sat coming from, you know, unreal to real, which is like death to... Chit is ignorance to awareness. Ananda is sorrow to happiness. Yeah, the word Ananda and Anantam, sorry, uh, they seem to have some linkage to the extent that if something is Anantam, it becomes Ananda as well. I found that sort of analogy quite quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to set out the thesis, actually, you know, in, in, in sort of non-spiritual terms, in the 10,000 history, 10,000 year history of humankind, uh, of which, you know, in the last 5,000, we've had this, this knowledge of the Vedas, apparently. Um, you know, the, the biggest fears that humanity or humankind have faced are uh, death has been the one thing. But after that, for the last, uh, let's say, 2,000 years, it's been exploitation um, and uh, incarceration. Uh, so, you know, the fact that you'd get attacked and and, and, and sent into slavery. Uh, and, and, and the modern day unions are a response to industrialized exploitation. Uh, and, and more recently, it's about the prospect of irrelevance. And, and, and time, so this, this exploitation and uh, incarceration has to do with our association with coordinating time around the world. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a piece of work being done about abandoning, for example, we have the daylight adjustment they're seeing a lot of health risks associated with daylight adjustment. Um, so, so the very fact that the, you know, the Gita, you know, 3,000 years back or whatever, uh, identified time as a, as, as a principal issue that, that affects us is, is actually quite uh, uh, spectacular. Yeah, right. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have these sayings in English, right? Time is a great leveler. It will bring equality and all those things. That's what exactly what it means, you know. And I think we covered the chapter on Vishwarupa Darshan also, right? I think there also, you know, Krishna says, you know, I am the time. I am the devourer, he says. So you leave anything, doesn't matter how solid it is or even over fluidy like our emotions. Over a period of time, it will be devoured. Give it time. That's what they say. All right. So today's revision, I think we are we are looking at the, those left out chapters uh, from uh, from from the first few pages that we've read. So does anyone want to start off anywhere? You know, we can pick any aspect, karma yoga or you know, pronunciation or whatever, right? Karma Yoga might be a good place to start. Yeah. I think it's always good to ask ourselves why. Why Karma Yoga? Let's, let's probably start there, right? Yeah. 
does anyone feel that it yes, should be it's all it's all it's all the great theory it doesn't seem to be you know applicable for most people or do do we all feel that it's a great theory it should be applicable for all what's the view it should be uh, should be say what why and how if not how at least what and why absolutely in that context yeah No, yeah, I, I I personally think that's that's one of the gems uh, from the Bhagavad Gita. So, um, uh, to me, that's that's very very core. Um, something that ties us to the experiential um, daily life, right? What we can apply immediately in daily life, and I think that's where we all need to start. And probably most of us are there. Most of us are in that phase where that is the most important thing that we can apply today. right right here and right now yeah <clears throat> yeah so yeah. Oh, go ahead i i was about to say if anybody wants to share uh, in yeah. yeah i always thought that was like one bedrock theory that would appeal to anybody globally universally uh, because it's something that just says do whatever you are doing very well do it that like for the sake of it without expecting any fruits or do what comes to you very naturally without having any disturbances in your mind so these are all things that kind of even when we know about karma yoga something that we can apply as well as when you want to introduce somebody somebody is asking a very quick uh, gist of bhagavad gita or something hey, what can i take away universally without having to let's say i don't want to believe that krishna is a god or anything like that without even that this still appears saying like you have a certain set of duties and actions to do and if you can execute that very well with peace of mind and with happiness to the best of your abilities that by itself uh, will get you to the next stage that will prepare you but at least just start that that is all there is to it and that that alone it's it's enough and this is like again reaffirmed by modern day psychology like the flow experience when you when you have the right amount of skill and when you have the right amount of challenge and you are doing what you really like you forget the concept of time you are totally involved in it and uh, the most successful people in many many fields if you look at at least their uh, field for which they have achieved world fame they always experience that uh, they always explain their experience in terms of flow i was in flow i didn't know what i was doing it's just like it automatically comes to me i'm composing music or i'm performing or i am like doing gymnastics or i am running 100 meters or whatever so they explain in terms of that so this kind of for me in a way connects and brings back to even normal worldly duties too whether it's making coffee or i am just like doing something else and if i can do that also with the same amount of care and attention and mindfulness to bring that word uh, it it leads to a more peaceful happier state of mind and i think that leads to then lot of other things very nice you yeah, said yeah. Uh, krishna yeah this is another uh, grounding chapter very relatable and we have just done eight chapters of the you know swami's book right um and two things that go beyond logic and maybe need an element of trust and faith and acceptance are um i think two things that they describe why the result is not in your hands god presence of god and that that higher power and the loss of nature so yes continue to do with the right attitude and what you need to do but here is why you should not expect 
you can expect result but expect results may not go in line with your expectation i, I think that that's that's something that needs to be accepted i think we need to dwell on that a little more like right? the rest of it is more like a um you know principles of the right doing kind of stuff but there is something about the result that we keep agonizing you know and how you define successful and failure it's in line with your expectation or slightly more than you call yourself successful but if it is not or even lower then we call ourselves failure and how do should we even not benchmark that or analyze the result and why i think that is also that's something that resonates shamla that's a very very important thing what you said and i personally have uh... gone through that phase where i misunderstood karma yoga to mean not to expect results okay and uh, having uh, misunderstood it i start ex- expecting any results from anything which means i became lethargic at some point of time okay which is a thing that we we must avoid because at the end of the day karma yoga doesn't mean you should not expect results in fact i don't remember whether it is in this book or some other book it says that even a fool if he wants to do something will expect results so i was worse than a fool okay in that in that case so what happens is like i think it's a concept when we when we are trying to explain to ourselves or to explain to others i think there's a there's a we have to be very clear when we explain saying that you can have whatever expectation that you want to do out of the particular task what you're doing but if the results don't come to the to the expectation to match your expectations or on the other side, other side they exceed your expectations okay accept both with the same amount of humility and the kind of explains over a period of you know so so many years in the past why certain events we perceived them successful and maybe in attributed a lot much more of our contribution to it rather than you know maybe believing that there are lot many forces acting on it right so we took responsibility for a failure or maybe too elated when when things went right so in a way that neutralizes you know just do it with the right attitude there will be a result and the result will be what you have to get because there are a lot many more forces acting on it yeah right if i may add but we should not forget the concept of learn from your own mistakes in case we fail in the previous things there there is there is also that uh, the process we go through uh, the end result is fine but there is always this concept that you have to fine tune what you did in your effort absolutely yeah, here yeah, absolutely. sorry i was just going to say um <clears throat> here we tell the kids when they're little you know you get what you get and you don't get upset i think that sort of sums it up right that you you don't get upset about the results and you know it's not in your hands basically So how do you handle? How do you guys handle the disappointments at that moment? You know, so it's it's it, it, you know where this is the this I mean this chapter uh, I mean the karma yoga as a concept is something that really love actually you know I mean I uh, I mean that's how you know we all have got hooked into this. Uh, uh, so so if I sit back and later contemplate on something, you know everything makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, but. how do you handle the disappointment at that moment when something doesn't go the exact way you know it is supposed to go again i um 
uh, Satya, if I may, it, it's a really good question, by the way, right? It, uh, uh, to me, I, um, as you as you start practicing this, right, on a um, um, daily basis, so what happens, I, I think, is that the um, there is the the difference between what is good and what is bad. Uh, you know that blurs away, right? So what me we may perceive as a positive result or a negative result. Um, every positive comes with on the other side of the coin. There is a negative to it, and every negative has a positive to it, right? So we start to once that realization dawns, right? That if there is um, it's a mixture of both. And so you start to see that there is nothing good or nothing bad, right? So if you, like if you analyze your own, um, uh, you know, um, life where these kind of incidents have happened in the past, you might actually look back at those incidents and say, I learned a lot from that tough period of life, right? You wouldn't want to change it, actually. You may, you may say, hey, during that time, that's the time when I really learned a lot or it made me who I am, right? That kind of stuff. Everybody, uh, in fact, yesterday I was listening to some interview. Somebody said, oh, I was going through this really bad patch. Um, but then when I look back, I realized that that's when I learned I became who I was, right? So similarly, I think we all can relate to that. But at that moment, I don't think um, we, uh, we feel this way for sure. I agree with that. But as we analyze, that acceptance begins to dawn, which is the equanimity, right? The equanimity begins to dawn, which leads to acceptance. That there is nothing really bad about this. This, the fact that I expected it, it's because of my expectation, right? That I'm, I'm feeling the dissonance between what I expected and what is reality. But once that goes away, um, for a period of time, you'll see that, that, that really goes down and you'll be able to accept uh, either result in the exact same way. Yeah, it's the, it's the attitude, uh, I guess, which, which kind of is important. Uh, and I think, uh, Kishore, you've used this kind of very frequently, the recovery aspect. Uh, so if you have the right attitude, uh, you recover a, a lot faster. Right. And, and I think the other aspect which sort of comes to mind is I mean, and sometimes it is consolation, but that's kind of a thought which occurs to me often, which is there is a bigger grand, grand plan which God has. And, uh, you know, uh, to Shamla's point, you know, we don't know everything that's going on. Not, not everything is in our control. So you then attribute it to something that you don't know. And maybe this is for my own good. Uh, but that's kind of a, really around a thought process and attitude, which then leads to you kind of coming back to that equanimity much faster. I also felt the other aspect that they discussed has a significant bearing on this one, which is more of uh, neutralizing likes and dislikes, and maybe at the same breath, um, reducing the expectations. So while handling the disappointment is a post, uh, post facto, starting developing an attitude of not having strong likes and dislikes, and how do we consciously neutralize them? will maybe reduce the impact after the event has happened. Um, and I personally think that's something that I have to work on and I am working on, but you know, it has to be this way. Those, those very strong um, likes, dislikes, expectations will make the fall even more harder or an impact even more harder after. So, 
that that was one good takeaway i think uh, when we put in more effort like so we see that you know we are you know sort of a big part of what that um eventual uh, result is going to be so we feel like we are playing a huge part in shaping that result and we don't get it that's when it is you know more sort of uh, disappointing right I, so i think what coming back to what shamla said before about the powers or the, the laws of nature the you know a bigger plan that may help us to understand that our part in it is not as large as we think it was you know and maybe that helps us accept the results in a in a better way very well said both uh, uh, shamala and manohar I, i think that's the whole thing so uh, uh, sakuba getting back to to your question right? the way that i think about it at that moment um let's say there's mr x or miss 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 x who's who's in that situation where they are expected to feel disappointed right? with the outcome of what's happening now the person has to take a conscious position okay what's the position what's my goal is my goal to rearrange the puzzles in my mind to go on the on the on the spiritual path to finally get there or to start you know getting things on the material path and winning it okay irrespective of what it is so you expect something let's say x result for that and you you put in some some uh, efforts for it but it it falls short of falls short of x at that point of time the person if he just steps back and says okay what is this experience going to lead me in in which direction it's going to lead me i found that kind of an analysis very useful because at the end of the day in you know, shamla you said it very nicely see karma yoga is is a technique it is not a outcome okay it's a technique for what it's a technique to neutralize likes and dislikes and why do we neutralize our likes and dislikes it's because our likes and dislikes color the world the way it is the moment we remove that color we are able to see the world the way it is it truly is okay so if we accept that and if we, that's the knowledge that we are learning learning through the gita right saying that you know our the, the entire universe whatever we are seeing is all colored it's all in your mind it's all colored by your likes dislikes your views of the world the way that it has been truly created and the way that it is created and recreated in your mind are totally different so the whole idea is karma yoga is a first step to say okay looks like i did not get the result what i got what i expected which means something must have happened okay why should i have had this expectation of this okay or even if i had the expectation of this i know that i can't control 100% of the efforts to make that happen there are going to be external external factors yeah going back to what manu was saying you know just because you put in 100% of your efforts doesn't mean that is good enough for to get the 100% of the results there's something else much larger at play the grand scheme of things i i love the way love the way you were saying uh, uh, it's a technique rather than rather than a result as well because i think that helps in my mind that helps resolve um, and and personally you know now that we're all in at getting to the other side of 50 uh, time time has quite a lot to do with it you know so every time you don't achieve something you get into a practice and as kishor said it it is really a portal whenever whenever one falls off a bike uh of 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 the treadmill or whatever you're trying to do it's a portal to something bigger and better 
uh, certainly going to attest to that in my own life. Uh, but, but, you know, a, a part of the learning from reading this book has been about uh, that actually, you know, Karma Yoga is truly about not, uh, you know, doing things for the benefit of everybody around us or the planet. The moment we have an expectation, whether it's good or bad, that will keep us in the cycle. So that was a revelation because um, I had never really thought of it in that way. In fact, all the teaching from the elders have also been around the fact that, you know, what you, what you sow, you, you shall reap. And that it's, it's stopped at that. But it is not, that is just a side effect of the main purpose of Karma Yoga. But there was an interesting chat, which is also relevant. One of the things that stops us is a concept of risk-taking and, and, and trust. And Alpna, you had a, a, a lovely talk about, you know, faith, belief, and those sort of things. But there is a concept of trust in, uh, in, in the Vedas, apparently. That's what I took away from what you posted way back. Um, but I feel that, you know, the fact that most we, we in this in this life uh, have become more risk averse as a result of bigger expectations. Um, and and there is there's an expectation of trust before we do anything, um, which is not always beneficial in the context of karma yoga. Actually, Vivek, you articulated it very well. And that's the point I wanted to make as well, that you know, as you read more and more, if the goal is not individual, but more team-based, more of a wider society, I think you work in it not to achieve as an individual goal. And when it is for the betterment for everyone, and when, in that case, when there is disappointment, at least you take away that you tried your best, right? So, so moving that focus from individual goals, me, mine, this is what I want to achieve, to this is what we want to do, this is how, where we, we want to go. And then you see that the effort is put in by a lot more people, right? So the disappointment is also collective and you still take away that, you know, you tried and there are other benefits of doing it together as well. So, so I think that, uh, yeah, it doesn't directly answer disappointment of self, but there, the disappointment also gets a bit diluted because you're not doing it for the self. So Karma Yoga, the first principle is that it should be done selflessly for benefit of, you know, a wider. Greater good. Any yeah. karma is yeah. for wider, this thing, right? Yeah. If I, I may add, sorry, go ahead with that finish. No, no, I was just trying to list so that we covered the why that or or what is karma yoga. Yeah. So yeah. One is that done selflessly for the benefit of others and saying that, you know, whatever I'm able to do, it is from that supreme, uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid using God's energy, but, you know, from some power that we have received, you know, doing it from that and we dedicate the results to that supreme power as well. And whatever will be received, we'll receive it with, with Prasad Buddhi. So that is, you know, in a just Karma Yoga to, to, to me, you know. Yeah, I was just going to add that, you know, in back in chapter two, uh, we had learned about the idea of effort, uh, time and labor. 
and uh, you know I, I find that idea of Vaibhum very powerful to explain or to at least console oneself when you are disappointed with the results. Um, and you know, Swami Parmanandji, you are listening to now, uh, explains it very beautifully that these are things which are unpredictable and or uncontrollable. Um, and therefore, you know, uh, and I think Rajesh was also saying the same thing that things sometimes on your control. So that Devam idea sort of just um, at least resonates with me in the sense that um, you can just leave it to the you know godly power or that X factor which is beyond your control. Yeah. Uh, if I may provide a, a slightly different take on that, right? That's definitely one way. Um, so to me, uh, Karma Yoga, again, coming at it without the association with quote unquote God principle, there is that, that is one way of looking at it. I'm just providing yet another way. Um, so to me, it is, it's four things, right? As Swami Guru Paranandi says, um, it's uh, um, the right action, right? The first part is the right action and the right effort, which I think Krishna explained really beautifully. And that's the uh, one part of that right action is, is the action benefiting more number of people, right? How many beneficiaries are there to that action? Is it more than one, at least more than one, the one being yourself? So, so in the action for greater good, right? So that's being, that being one. And is, is action spurred by strong likes and dislikes? Um, so I, I think Shamla mentioned this. So, so that is, is it being spurred by a very strong uh, like or not, right? So that can happen only when we, we start becoming aware, right? So when we are doing something, before we start doing something, are we aware that is this being spurred by a strong like? Am I going and buying this gadget because there is a very strong liking towards that or wanting to show something, wanting to show off, if you will, being aware of that. So the right action, is it driven by likes or dislikes or and is it for the greater good? So, right, so two things, um, right intention or the right attitude of action, right? The right intention, obviously, again, somewhat comes in uh, along with the strong likes and dislikes. But at the same time, there is the other part, which is, um, can I do this action without, uh, for its intrinsic value, workers' worship type of an attitude, right? I'm doing this, uh, if you ask a singer who is in the, in the moment and singing, and enjoying that, they're not doing it for a certain purpose. Maybe they get up early in the morning and they are doing their riyas, and they're not doing it for a certain, uh, with the expectation of getting a certain result, but you are in the moment singing and you're just enjoying that part and doing it for the sake of work, intrinsic value of the work. That leads to the state of flow that Krishna was explaining. Um, so which leads to skill in action, right? And this is, this is where the, um, the, the uh, one definition of yoga, which is also skill in action connected to karma yoga comes in. So um, the right intention. And then on the other side of the result, the result is going to be there, right? Whether you like it or not, then you perform action, there is going to be a result. And can I, um, can I uh, accept the result in the same way, whether it's positive or negative, that's equanimity, right? So right action, right intention, right attitude on the other side when you receive. Uh, to me, that uh, um, 
to me that is karma yoga um and also the other part of that would be resp- uh, responsibility so one way uh, vp as you said is to say there is something else right i mean our effort is one but there is something else beyond our, our effort that's at play here which we do not control and hence you could call that uh, as god and and attribute everything we do to god and what we get back is a result from god that's certainly one way um uh so the the other thing is to take a a personal responsibility which is that every action i do i know i am responsible right and i am being spurred by certain things which is also spurred by me right there's nothing uh, that like or the reason for doing the action is also coming from me so i am responsible for that action and hence i am going to be responsible for the result of the action as well right so when i perform the action can i pick the right action and do it with the right intention because the result is also going to be um i'll and the both as well so i am responsible right for my past actions and for my own future so looking at it also from that angle um uh, is very helpful if so there are two ways of looking at it is is what my point is right and, and whether you believe in god or not believe in god both ways are definitely possible yeah kishor well said yeah. sorry ahead, go ahead no no go ahead after you see i just wanted to add a perspective you know about this uh, at least how i have reconciled it in my head because there are obviously so many contradictions you know i mean once you read and study more see one is that somebody is doing a riyaz you know for him the you know the joy of doing it you know somebody who is into photography or singing or arts or you know i mean he says yaar whatever i am getting in doing the karma is the fruit in itself but i right. just want to you know compare with let's say somebody preparing for je or compare preparing for ias and you know very early in life when i used to be very competitive and then i've seen my you know now it's my children who are you know preparing for those exams so i i'll just uh, you know you know share one incident so one of my cousins used to study in jnu and i used to go there because lunch was very delicious in the canteen so i was working in you know that part of the city and uh, he says most of my guys in the hostel you know they are from a certain state you know mostly from eastern up and bihar and he says this is his third attempt i think that that time three or four attempt whatever and he says if i don't clear it i'll commit suicide then it was as simple as that you know agar ias nahi hua to suicide karna wapas nahi jaunga and similarly for potas and you know other dps rk puram and you know those kind of highly competitive so i'm just trying to you know and it's not it's not fun preparing for those exams it's not at all fun you know studying public administration or history for 12 hours in a day you know so what i'm saying what i am what i have how i have reconciled it in my head is that you know that doership if you can take away the pride of doership ki main kar raha hu main ahankar and if you can just flip it ki god thank you ki main ye effort kar pa raha hu you know aapka yahi badi kripa hai ki mere haath pair kaam kar rahe hain mera dimag kaam kar raha hai and i am able to do this and i am able to do it passionately and then you know also i want to bring in a bring in a point here that unless you hate failing that ias or not clearing the je so badly you know you will not be able to slog 16 18 20 hours a day so you have to have that you know hatred you know for failure 
but at the same time you know when the failure happens you have to have equanimity this is the deep contradiction you know and when we say you know the balance the likes and dislikes i mean theek hai agar iit nahi hua koi badi baat nahi hai yaar aur kuch kar lenge you can't slog 20 hours a day for sure you can't study <laughs> or you know whatever you know i want to crack that startup or i want to you know get a promotion you know so how i have reconciled it in my head is you know surrender while doing the karma you know firstly you have to have that surrender okay i am grateful that i am i am able to do this karma and second thing is that you know when when i went into this mode kiya there are so many other factors you know then my accountability of you know like i worked a lot in japanese company so we have this pdc a plan do check act maine kya galti kari nahi nahi ye to bhagwan ki marzi thi unhone kuch kiya hoga pichle janam ke karm hai mere but bhaiya tumne kya goof up kiya usko to pakdo so you know tumne kuch na kuch zarur goof up kiya hoga chahe tumne skill mein ya mehnat mein something you have goofed up so i think uh, how sorry i'm talking quite a lot but how reconcile it is फर्स्टली कर्मा करते वक्त डूअरशिप ज्यादा मत रखो डोंट हैव दिस अहंकार कि मैं बड़ा बिग बॉस हूं मैं ये क्रैक कर दूंगा एंड सेकेंडली वेन इट डजेंट हैपन यू से दैट यू नो मे बी आई कुड है आई होल्ड माई सेल्फ अकाउंटेबल फॉर दैट बट आई टेल माई सेल्फ दैट इवन इफ आई डन दैट यू नो फर्स्टली आई टेक अकाउंटेबिलिटी फॉर नॉट डूंग फाइव परसेंट एंड मेक श्योर आई डू इट नेक्स्ट टाइम बट इवन इफ आई डू हंड्रेड परसेंट और आई हैड डन हंड्रेड परसेंट even then this result may not have come and then i say okay god you know whatever it is it's sometimes you know i i don't always think like isme kuch bhalai hogi you know i'll just give one more example you know somebody uh, you know an 18 year old daughter on a road accident in front of his house usme kya bhalai hai boss you know you can't say isme har ek cheez mein bhalai hai so what i say teri marzi hai you know kuch na kuch maybe my past karma are being worked out and something is happening so i don't try to get into you know there is good in everything because some things they may not be good but yes the only good is the debt of my past karma is coming down so i think this is how at least uh, i have been able to reconcile i'll just summarize one is not having that too much of ahankar for doership having gratitude that you are able to do the best karma taking accountability if the result is not coming and retro uh, introspecting where i could have done better and knowing that even if i had done 100% i may not get the results all the time because there are so many other factors that are at play and besides the cosmic design it's also my past karma so this is you know how i have reconciled reconciled in my head if i am way off you know please do tell me you know i mean you know if i am way off in my understanding you you summarized it so passionately exactly the same thing that i was trying to say but i wouldn't have expressed it in better words than what you did <laughs> that's you know having said that you know one Thank of the you. things that i want to say is i think i think there's a beautiful thing in our in our uh, culture which says that you know whenever we do anything you pray for shanti of three types of obstructions that come to you that's why we say that right om shanti om shanti om shanti it's not the movie's name it's three three times that we say this because there are obstructions that come in from within us with people surrounding us and also from the forces of nature or god or whatever that you call it right or element yeah. that could so you pray for it so basically the I, the act of prayer is number one saying that hey you know i know that there are many things beyond my control in whatever simple task even taking out my car and driving from point a to point b you know has so many obstructions okay i could fall asleep while driving the car you know somebody could say something in the car which would upset me and then i could meet with an accident or 
you know a good uh, a big uh, you know fire fire or storm could come up and obstruct my destination path so we got to give it and we got to pray for those things to happen but what you and kishore were saying the other point which is also very important i want to kind of take a, a diversion into that right is the ahankar part right which is the or you also talked about it saying that the doership the bhokta and all that right see step back for a second step back for a second think about it there is a two two different paths right now one path where which uh, you know hopefully all of us are there in this path which says okay i want to understand who who i am finally and become that that's the path what we are in in which karma yoga bhakti yoga gnana yoga all of them become quote and quote your uh, techniques to get to get to that particular thing whereas the other path is okay i want x now i need to get my second house third house fourth house i we uh, have become ceo and then do this do this that's another path right now when you look at both these paths and in people in this path in, in the in the spiritual path it's not that they don't want to do this they they will end up getting those things as part of the thing but the most important thing is the karta and bhokta why do we have to let go of the doership that's a very important question to ask okay it's an important question to ask because if you if one whoever that person is that entity within us right if i take ownership of doing something i have to take responsibility of bearing results of those actions okay so the moment the moment i take ownership what it also means is i'm dividing the world between two things me and the world already the division has happened in my mind subtly okay but the point is from the knowledge what we are learning we have to develop that other attitude what is that attitude that attitude is there's no division but it's a concept in our mind that we are dividing it right and that's when the hankara drops So just want to just want to add on to that, right? I think Alpana, you used this word. You know, I think over the weekend, you know, we were chatting. Uh, uh, you know, I talked talked about the seven steps of uh, uh, in the Brihadaranika Upanishad, and then uh, you used a word called Chida. These are the seven steps of Chida Basa, right? So I I just want to ask this question, right? You know, that uh, the concept of Chida Basa is an extremely powerful concept. Okay, if you actually if you think back, you know, step back, whatever we are doing right now. even this conversation that we are having or you know eating or drinking whatever you ask the question who exactly is doing that i can almost guarantee you you will find it you will find it a conundrum you will not be able to solve that problem just think about it very very carefully there's no answer who is doing that is it my hand which is holding my cup of tea is my hand drinking is my mouth drinking impossible to answer rajesh is the isn't it the meal player player which is the answer that's what exactly you know, right exactly yeah absolutely right and i think you should say the meal prayer uh, vp because i don't think many people know they are not part of chaturmasa group this is a jet again okay <laughs> go ahead vipin are you serious okay um so i mean i'm not very good at reciting uh, because i just do it internally uh, but i'll try brahma arpan brahmavai brahmagneyu brahma 
अग्नि इज ऑल्सो ब्रह्मा the reality is this that's an attitude change in our mind that we need to make I have one more question uh, so i think there was a question earlier about um, the result right so while listening to swami ji actually he mentions that the biggest contributor to the result yes there is the other um, aspect which is beyond our control but what is within our control within that the biggest one is the right intention he says the result actually in in, in i think the second chapter 48 was the the third part of that was uh, says that the the result is determined by the intention and intention if you really think about it is deep seated it's in our thought it's 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 the underlying uh, thought with which we are performing the action right are we doing it with the intention of harming somebody or is it neutral or is it with the intention of benefiting somebody or somebody else or benefiting me that is intention right so even if it's a very charitable thing that you're doing but is it with the intention of saying i'm doing this because i want to be i want to benefit or i want people to know that i have done this charitable thing it is not as effective as when you are able to do it without with the intention of i'm doing it because i'm i'm thankful that i'm able to do it and because of the greater good right if that is the pure intention of thought with which you're doing it then that is the biggest contributor to the result right and that comes back again to the doership right because that essentially means lack of doership right that it's not me me and it's not for me that kind of stuff you are reducing that as much as possible you're doing it for the greater good right so that thought um if we are able to bring that thought in with everything we do slowly over a period of time we we obviously all these things are going to take up uh, it's over a period of time but over a period of time what happens then is that you start to realize i did this with a lot of purity of thought i performed the action with purity of thought but also with a lot of skill when i say skill you are involved in the action which means everything you've given everything to it so then there is acceptance of the result there is nothing else you could have done better because you've given it your best based on your skills at that time it was with the right intention 
you, yeah, uh, there was purity in that. So when the result comes, you are able to accept it because, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're able to accept it because there was purity in that whole thing, right? So when we start doing it this way, over a period of time, you will start to see the difference in uh, and completely develop that acceptance over a period of time. Yeah, just I thought I'll add a little bit on this. Uh, you know, in Bhagavad Gita chapter 1 and chapter 2, I mean, in chapter 2, uh, which, in, I mean, which tells about the nature of ourselves, okay, and when coming to Karma Yoga, they also talk about a free will. You know, this free will is what I feel is more important, which defines our attitude towards our work. Okay, now how we put this free will to uh, work. And you know, animals have got an instinct. They will work on instincts and go ahead with the instincts. But man has got a capacity to choose. That is what is termed as a free will in uh, Bhagavad Gita terms. So if we use this free will to use the chapter two of defining who we are, you know, I mean, if we keep our will towards that place of who we are, you know, which defined as, you know, the various characteristics of uh, Brahman or soul has been, or Atma has been defined in chapter two, uh, and then perform an action, there will be three sorts of, uh, I mean, actions which I can see. One is interested, another is uninterested, third is disinterested. You know, these three types of action actually happens. Interested action will give the obvious results. You know, in, in, uh, if you're liking interest, I mean, that will have an action. If you dislike, that will have a uh, different karma. Uh, if you're uninterested, obviously, I mean, it, it goes into Tamas side, uh, which I am more interested in. And if you go into a disinterested service, that is the right attitude, uh, which we call it as a sattvic attitude uh, to keep in the mind. So our free will has to be fixed up on the sattvic attitude on, on top of the God to doing it. This is my understanding, although I'm not doing it, but slowly I'm trying to uh, get into doing this. And, uh, and whatever the results come with the sattvic attitude, whether it's okay or not okay, I mean, it doesn't matter at that point of time. Uh, you know, so this is my take uh, on uh, karma yoga. Very good point about free will. Yeah, thank you. So one of the one of the things that I have uh, struggled with, uh, I mean, I think all the points that have been made are are well made. Uh, the thing that sort of I kind of can't sort of seem to reconcile or understand fully is the whole thing around likes and dislikes and uh, you know, the point that karma yoga helps to cleanse the mind and neutralize these likes and dislikes. I, I mean, I, I, I'm just kind of unable to relate to it at a certain level that how does karma yoga lead to that sort of neutralization? Uh, I mean, if I, you know, Results I accept, actions I do my best, right? But likes and dislikes are somehow sort of I, I, I can't I, I can't seem to relate to them directly, if you know what I mean. So welcome any thoughts on that? I think uh, when you're able to accept, that means you're not driven by likes and dislikes, right? You're accepting both the outcomes. 
so it sort of neutralizes your see if you're doing something because you really want it but then you are saying you're accepting the result whether you get it or you don't get it that means your intensity of like is going down so that's how it is neutralizing likes and dislikes yeah, yeah. no I, i understand and so you know if you accept results you know your you know your you know your you you're less kind of angry you're less frustrated so a lot of those emotions i understand so let me take an example so if for example uh you know and i'm going beyond sort of karma yoga in some ways because this is not, i mean there is not an action i can do around it but if there is somebody who is uh let's say take an example of a politician right and he does something wrong fundamentally wrong i'm serious there's no act, right and there is nothing i can do to dislike what he said or dislike the person in a way because i'm saying this guy is a jerk whatever right so i i'm i'm sort of maybe i'm kind of going beyond sort of the scope of karma yoga in some ways but when i when i say likes and dislikes and likes and dislikes happen when things are often outside your control and you could say that look this is outside your control so i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to get sort of you know worked up about it right and so would accept what i cannot change right so back to the sort of acceptance kind of uh, narrative but uh, it's hard not to dislike what is happening is if you know what i mean yeah but i think if you yeah in the context of karma yoga say likes is you're saying you really want to have sweet and but you go and go to get some food and you are okay whether you have the sweet or you don't have a sweet and you get used to that you you are accepting that it's okay if i don't get the sweet that means you, you know, are I, I get, I, yeah i get things that I, i get i get sort of things that are in sort of in my sphere of influence or where yeah. you know which, which is in my sort of space That's but right. when things are be, beyond my sort of control or space and i know it is not good it is not in my view not for the big larger good and uh, if something is happening it does lead to just frustration or inability to make a difference or do anything about it so ajay i think, I think the point okay sorry sorry alpana i, no, I, no, I think no. the point is uh, uh, you know i think likes and dislikes in the context of karma yoga is the ones those likes and dislikes that propel you to action Correct. it's not exactly. it's not the those likes and dislikes that Yeah. that uh, you know that are imposed upon you because of whatever condition i don't like cold weather you know yeah i don't like cold weather i don't like cold weather that's it okay do i have to be sad about it do i have to be upset about it that's my choice but the point is i can't do anything about it so i might as well accept it see what triggers action right you you're doing something and you have free will before you perform the action right so there is something that's spurring you to perform that um and what is it that spurs you there's a thought that first comes in that says go do this right um where is where is that coming from so you again keep going back to the root cause analysis where is that thought coming from what spurred you that came from somewhere deep inside you so that was there as a as a like let's say so that like thought got spurred or uh, expressed because of some situation that you are in right now right so maybe um just to take an example i don't know uh maybe you see uh, a sweet on the on the dining table and there is a thought saying i i want to eat it right so and that spurs you into action which results in 
you're eating it. Now, before that, before you perform that action, obviously, you have free will. Should I eat it or not? Now, most, many of us might just react to it and just eat. But if you were to think a little bit more, you are now thinking from the level of intellect and saying, oh, wait a minute, I don't think this is good for me. I've eaten three already. Maybe I should stop, right? So that is that uh, uh, interaction that happens So where you're now coming from the intellect. So again, um, what I meant was there is something that's spurring that, and then there is awareness, and then there is intellect, uh, the action being driven from the intellect or from the direct kind of uh, reaction, right? So um, that's where the like and dislike part comes in, in terms of there is a thought that first comes in, which then spurs a, a expression of that thought in terms of action or what we say, uh, um, what we say, what we do, right? Now, that to me is the samskaras, which are vasanas, as you call it in Vedanta. So, but that is deep in, deep seated in our personality, deep seated in our subconscious. Karma yoga helps neutralize that because we don't have direct access to that, uh, those samskaras deep seated in the subconscious. How do you change it? Those samskaras determine our personality traits, our mental patterns, or our approach to anything that happens around us, right? So given the same situation, different people react to it differently, isn't it? Some, um, right? I mean, we see that all around. So because of how our samskaras are. So now we are saying that we want to neutralize that. Karma yoga is a process for doing that because as we go through the cycle of action, receiving results, and, and on and on and on, every moment in life, the, depending on the, uh, the right action, the right intention, right attitude of result, the right attitude of result helps neutralize that. Even the right action, the worker's worship attitude towards action neutralizes that. So over a period of time, the strong likes and strong dislikes, those thoughts that come in from the subconscious, will not have that level of strength anymore. So then you are able to um, now use the intellect and make a decision based on the intellect saying, I don't want that sweet. And that strong liking of that sweet, which resulted in the reaction to just take and eat it, will go away. And now you step back and the intellect comes forward and says, well, are you sure you want that? Right? So you're able to act from the intellect. Yeah. And, and I think this discussion is also leading me to share one more thing about uh, uh, a potential, you know, a route that we're going to take in the next chapters when you're going to read, right? So think about the situation. You know, Ajay, you talked about the situation. A politician does something and I don't like, you know, so therefore I have a choice. I, I can do something about it. What I can do something about it is based on, you know, what our deep-rooted desires are and which come up which Kishore was explaining, right? Now, different people will react to different things, right? For example, you know, let's say that uh, 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 we feel that, uh, you know, harming the environment is bad, okay? So um, if, if I am a big activist, because I'm a big activist because of my past, whatever that has happened, not just in this birth, but millions of births that I've taken, there is a deep-rooted desire to make some big change. Then what happens is because of that deep-rooted desire, it will come up in me, and I will become an activist, okay? Whereas for the same event, okay, somebody else might say, uh, yes, I know, but I don't think I can do much. All I can do is stop eating 
you know indiscriminately or stop spending money indiscriminately or buying cosmetics okay because it's killing the environment and you know using animals birds and all those things and they they stop at it okay what action that each one of us take for a particular situation externally is dependent on what our likes and dislikes are okay now we don't have a choice because the reality is those likes and dislikes are there whether you like it or you don't like it right now the point is what actions they going to propel you to do that also you don't have a choice because the the desire is strong you will end up doing it you will become what it what it means to become but if it adds up if you say that i am doing this but i am doing this with the intention of reducing my likes and dislikes and why why i want to do that is to get to my ultimate goal of becoming who i am truly am then it automatically you'll still continue to do that with full force and action but then your likes and dislikes will slowly start diminishing in their intensity for you i don't know if i made sense or not but this is actually the segue to the next chapter that we're going to read right where krishna krishna arjuna will talk arjuna will ask bunch of questions you know who is this body who is the person who's doing this inside the body all those questions he'll ask then krishna will keep answering okay you know this is the person who's actually doing it this is not the person who is not actually doing it therefore you have to do it this way you should not do it this way if you do it this way what you have to do if you don't have to do it this way what kind of attitudes you will have to develop you know the next the theory part of it is covered in terms of you know breaking the barrier between me and the world that that breaks in the next chapters that's the linkage between likes and dislikes so if you think about the chapter 1 and chapter uh, 13 of gita i'm referring to the gita not swami ji's book right this is where it gets connected the whole thing gets connected because we we don't even know why we are doing something for example if i ask you a question okay why did we have children i can bet it's difficult to answer that question something happened i had children okay is that what it is no there's a deep rooted desire yeah no fair fair, uh, fair comment uh, rajesh i mean you know i i often sort of try and uh, reconcile my sort of uh, my inability to kind of relate to some th- some some things that others do by saying two things one is uh, you know i don't understand that person's full context so you know i may i must be missing something uh, and then two uh, it's around you know everyone is doing their karma so if they are doing wrong wrong it is it is kind of it's karma so hopefully kind of we are all doing our pluses and minuses and so you kind of you know, kind of get your your head sort of reconciled in a way yeah i have to uh, i just wanted to make a comment you know a, a lot of things that have been happening in the world you know especially in the last few months created a lot of anxiety i think in me i think in a lot of other people too and uh, going through this process of reading the gita and trying to understand you know what things are and how we might be able to think about them i think it really helps bring down the anxiety level for things that are not in your control you know some politician does something you know people are riding on the streets whatever it is it's it's things that you don't at least for me i didn't understand like you know what's going on why is there so much you know anger and you know and why is it being um you know why why is it coming out like this 
And going through this process, I think, has helped me try to understand that, you know, maybe there's not a lot I can do about it. Maybe there is something I can do about it. But at the end of the day, how can I bring down my anxiety level and focus on what I need to do? You know, because I, I felt that getting caught up in what's going on in the world brings down my ability to do what I need to do. So I think that's, at least for me, it's been very helpful going through this exercise. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Can I quickly mention one more thing? Um, I, uh, even Ajay, when, when you mentioned, um, it, you know, that about um, acceptance, I think I just wanted to make a point that the acceptance is not in terms of just accepting whatever is happening uh, around you and saying, this is how it is and I'll just accept it, right? Um, it is in the result, the acceptance part or the santosham or the satis uh, being, sat uh, being contended, that is in the attitude towards the result, not in terms of, um, it is not a, a, a reason to, in, uh, to, to be inactive, to not act. You know, you know, I just want to point out that subtle Agreed. difference there, right? Because the acceptance is not in the, in choosing the, to not act. Oh yeah, I say Ota, like, you know, let's, let's just accept. No, it's not that, right? It is in the result. So, you know, I've seen this being misconstrued. That's why I just want to point out that, hey, every, you don't have a choice, no free will, just, you know, things happen, destiny, whatever, right? It, it actually is the opposite of all of that, right? Um, so just wanted to point out that the acceptance is purely on the result side, not on the, uh, not to see somebody on the road, as I think uh, Rajiv mentioned, who is uh, injured and then say, yeah, this is also good. No, it's not that. Yeah, obviously, you're, you're there, you need to act, do the right thing, right? But then after that, you take the person to the hospital and then certain things happen after that. You've done whatever you could. And then that, uh, uh, let's say the person passes away. There's nothing much you can do. You, you have tried your best. You've done the right thing. Then you accept that. Excellent uh, point, actually. Uh, Kishore, actually, uh, that strikes another issue that I've been thinking of. Um, how free is our free will? So assuming we understand the, the concept of karma yoga and, and want to implement and have, in, have the intention of implementing it. But when it comes to a situation, there, there are choices. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, we have free will, but then how free is our free will? And that, yeah. you know, our, our sanskars, our thinking, our, our understanding, when it comes to bear that point in time, if, if let's say three people have exact four choices, they'll choose differently probably. Yes. Um, even if they have the same intention of performing karma yoga. Yeah, no, I so agree. The question, question remains, how free is our free will? Yeah. Um, I personally think we have that free will, right? Because, you know, you can, there might be some, uh, specific scenarios when, hey, you're bound by certain things. You are in a, let's say, in a regime that doesn't allow you to do certain things and things of that nature. But then when it comes down to action that we do, right, uh, 
both at, at the level of thought, at the level of speech, at the level of actually doing, we have that free will, right? Uh, and everything is not destiny, right? We, at this point, what has happened and what has come to this point is also based on what we have done in the past. But what is going to happen in the future is based on what we do now. I strongly believe in that. That's my key takeaway. So in that sense, we have the free will to decide and to make our future for ourselves. It's not destiny. So, so just to elaborate on that, I mean, uh, the point is, let's say four people have identical thinking, understanding, intention, and faced with four identical choices, will they, uh, given the choices of action and the intent and their understanding and awareness, if you will, do you, will they all go for the same choice? No, they will not. I don't think so. I don't so then, so. Then, yeah. then their free will that they have is, is guided by something. It's guided by their deep driven desires. Desires, what? yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, the, only, the only way of uh, getting over that is to recognize that the actions what we are doing is driven by our desires. Therefore, to recognize that you know, not doing desire driven actions is the only important thing in the spiritual path. But equally, it's, it's, then it's not possible to get rid of 100% of desires. No, you cannot. You cannot. That's why you're saying the idea is it's, you're, you're, not, you're not neutralizing the desires. Okay. You're neutralizing the impact, the results, like what Kishore was saying. You know, you're accepting the results, whatever is coming in. You're doing something. You desire something. You want to do it. Okay. But you accept the result. Over a period of time, what happens is the impact of those desires on your actions keeps reducing, like what Alpana was referring. I have a variation on that question, Kishore, you know, whether um, what Vivek just said, right? We have, say, each of us have four, same four choices. My question is, do, do we all have same choices in the first place? Because we don't live in vacuum and there is a lot of function, a function of people around us, context. environment, context, and even the backgrounds, what we can call it as even karma. So my karma, what I have done in the past may not leave me with a choice in the current situation, right? Are, are, are the choices same for everybody in the first place? It, uh, no, in a perfect world, I mean, we, we, we're talking about an experiment that we would do in, in a laboratory here. So, so indeed... You know, choices, our intention, our understanding, our awareness, each one will have even nuances, even 0.01% difference is a difference. And if you accumulate, you know, on three or four different dimensions, yes. But, but the, you know, to clarify, and I think both Rajesh and Kishore have answered this, uh, I think we all know instinctively that the whole point of free will is that you can make a complete and, 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 and educated and a self-determined choice. That's, that's, so, so the experiment, if you could do this in a laboratory or, or you know, a controlled setting, would be to give four people an identical intention and identical awareness and four identical situations. Uh, then if we had complete free will, everybody would go for the same right choice. But that, that is unlikely to happen. Unlikely to happen because. But I think, I think Vivek, I would think the Gyanis will go for the same choice. And and 
you know, once you get to that point, then they will know that this is the choice they need to go for. But because uh, I think we all are sort of more... It, 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 will, stand or, it will stand to reason that, that people who are at that point of liberation would probably go for the same choice. No, they will also not go for the same choice. Oh, really? Why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 Again, I think it depends on, see, what they do, right? The choice they make, if you walk back again, the choice they make is dependent on their context, as I think Shamla said, which is um, what, right? Our, your, that person's personality trait. I'm using personality trait as a, a little loosely here, the, the patterns that they have developed. So again, in the subconscious, which was again driven by their past experiences, and past, in fact, past lives also. So the, the likelihood of somebody having exact same composition of this subconscious is, is almost nil. The, the probability of every, everyone of us having the same kind of composition is almost, I, I think it's nil. So that's why every, each one of us is unique in some way or the other. And the fact that, um, we are different physically, mentally, the way we think, what we choose, everything is different. So I, I, I do believe that uh, it may, uh, the, given everything else, they will still choose some, uh, they'll still have a different choice. But if the choices are, you know, pretty much, the, the, the Gyani might choose the choice based on um, uh, greater good. Right. And that's why I think that they will converge to the same answer. But anyway, in that sense, yes, at the broader level, but even there within that, there might be differences, right? Yeah, but you, for example, you know, you, you uh, different, for example, so-called Gyanis that we at least respect today, uh, they are all re reacting differently to different situations today in the political climate. Absolutely. or Yeah, exactly. Why? Right. Yeah. So anyway, I think we have we have probably about twenty one minutes, and I see Alpana, you raised your hand on this topic. We'll we will we will hear what you what you want to want you want to share. Then probably we'll have to spend a little time to you know look at other topics, and you know we have, we'll be fine not to cover those things. But uh, let's let's first uh, hear from you. I just wanted to say actually, so so there isn't a really free will, but there is freedom at the end of it, and that's what we aspire to get. And it's slightly different. So as you, I think it was discussed that Yanis will also react based upon their product because it is there. And, um, but, but, but at the end of it, there is freedom. So there's a difference between free will and freedom. We have freedom and that's where we get to. So Alpana, you're saying there is no free will. It's all cyclic. We, if we if we just give it to free, there is freedom. I, no freedom. I, I have to, I have to add you, something on this. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have to add a little bit on this. There is free will, and there is also no free will. Okay, now it's a it's a paradoxical statement, but uh, let's try to understand. When we say everything is God, so even free will is God. So there's no free will per se as a person, but in a transactional world. Uh, which we are into right now, we have a free will to choose. I mean, so in a, I mean, a superimposed concept, uh, we have no free will. But in a transactional world, we have a free will. 
that is my understanding and those choices are made by the the impressions we have so then is it a free will yes. yes at that point in time when we did that action to create that sanskar we made a choice based upon the previous ones right so in that way yes it's a <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's that's it's it's an an yeah interesting right? mm. but yeah. there is there's this yeah, no. uh, it's set out in the mahabharata as well in terms of you know if you look at karna you know he he had a choice is once he once he had awareness of who he was he had a choice but he he was compelled to go down a certain route because of what he was I mean, he had free will and there are examples like that in yeah indeed because the uh, most important the most important thing for us to take away from this discussion is that you know likes and dislikes influence our choices and we don't have to act on our likes and dislikes all the time then we always then we get into a question okay then what on what basis do we have to act on right then my you know the way that i have rationalized it in my mind is if likes and dislikes are going to influence my choices and i need to find a basis on which to act then i have to be act on the basis of the duty what i have the roles what i'm doing therefore again going back to my favorite topic right i i always try to see what are the various roles that i that i execute in this world today because at this point of time you know i want to be clear as many roles as possible i have to do enough justice to it right not necessarily that you know all the roles are done in the right perfect way but at the, at, in my mind at least i want to be clear so i start writing down some roles okay these are my roles the more i start expanding my roles the more i identify what roles are then automatically the duties come about that role okay and duty by definition doesn't have a choice you have to do what you have to do for the duty then automatically your likes and dislikes slowly start going down neutralize to your point about sort of likes and dislikes i mean when you act at some level you're saying you need to act based on your duties or dharma as yes. opposed to likes and yes. dislikes yes fair point yeah yeah so uh one more interesting thing here uh, so when you're doing you know when you're in the middle of doing things right your day to day work and stuff how do you how do you make this kind of a decision right that might be another question I, i don't know if you've thought about this is i mean how do i make this decision on an ongoing moment by moment basis right is this the right choice and do i have the right intention and so on right so the, how do you get this awareness right you just need to at, at least in the initial part when something triggers an action we need to be aware am i doing the right thing am i being driven by likes and dislikes that kind of awareness needs to kick in not the consciousness awareness i'm talking i'm talking about the fact that we we need to be um aware of this particular thing that's spurring us to into action or when we say something sometimes we do say something that's rude and then we regret it later right obviously that happens too so how do we develop that awareness and that's where the meditation part comes in i'm just trying to beautifully completely beautifully said beautifully said i agree with so, you just want to tie that back in uh, saying yeah. because in meditation you are obviously well depending on the type of meditation you are uh, aware you're bringing it you're bringing your mind back to um, what is going on right here right now so that in a way is like your gym for the mind right uh, that's where you're practicing so that in your daily life in transactional life 
that awareness also kicks in, right? For a period of time that kicks in. Now you are aware of what's going on in your mind. What's the thought that's currently there? What is the intention with which I'm doing this work, with which I'm going to say something, right? So just wanted to tie that back in. Yeah. It could be either meditation or it could be even quote unquote the prayer, right? And ultimately what we are asking is that you're recognizing that, you know, I may not be able to make the right choices all the time. Therefore, I need help from quote unquote the third entity that I know it is there somewhere to give me that strength to make the right choices. And that's the prayer that, you know, we, we have to seek every day saying that help me make the right choice. Otherwise you're propelled by our likes and dislikes, whether we like it or not. In fact, I must tell you this, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, how many of you have ever participated in this puja called Satyarana Puja? Do you know what's the significance of that? You know, we do it because, you know, if you have a wish, you do that and, you know, you pray for that thing to happen, right? That's the whole thing. Somebody recently mentioned it, I was blown away. They said, you know, the moment you ask, you have a, let's say you want something X, okay? You say, I'm going to do this puja to get X. The moment you state it, you're already limiting your desire. What if the God had decided to give you X plus, the big, the big plus? You're limiting yourself. What are you doing here? I was blown away. And he will give you X only if you ask for it. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Okay. I think 728... We have uh, covered karma yoga. Looks like this 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 karma yoga will not leave us all through our life. But at least, uh, you know, we can we can probably take a segue and stop uh, discussing karma yoga, and then probably cover a little bit in the next. Uh, I know that we planned only for two 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 uh, you know sessions of revision, but do you think we need one more session of revision? I think so too, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, it'll be it'll be good to kind of define uh, define sort of the topic that we want to talk about because that helps. Yeah, focus. yeah. I mean, so like what we, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you know, last two two sessions, I think we discussed the first. We talked about who am I and all that. We left it free, and then we moved into karma yoga. This chapter, I think, this covers a reasonable amount of you know the the list of topics in the book, right? Now, I think for the next uh, uh, revision, maybe we'll have to talk about specifically about the concept of meditation, the way that the book talks about, and. Uh, I think that's a very important concept because it ties back to karma yoga. So please let's spend some time on actionlessness. And uh, uh, I don't think we, we, we have to spend a lot of time on the glories of God and all that. But I think maybe devotion is another thing. Maybe three topics if I were to pick, I would like to pick uh, uh, meditation, not even sannyasa. You know, I don't want to talk about sannyasa in this group at all. Uh, uh, meditation, actionlessness, and devotion are the three topics that I would like to cover. Others, you know, let me know what you think are the right things. We will pick those things and then go ahead with it. Uh, how about, may I make a suggestion? Uh, in order to focus the discussion, uh, how about people write in, you know, one or two issues um, that you would like to raise so that, you know, and, and, and Radish, I mean, you know, please moderate that and you know, tie it into themes of discussion and that'll probably bring in the focus. So on on these three chapters, it'll help the revision as well if, if uh, each of us have to, you know. Yeah. So, in fact, and, uh, in, fact, Vivek, uh -huh. in fact, Vivek, what happened was in the beginning when we started this in Jan, uh, we were 
supposed to write you know some something about yeah. what we learned but we stopped after some time you know i think uh, but that's okay it really doesn't matter at the end of the day uh, yeah let's share that let's uh, let's let's keep bouncing off on on the whatsapp chat as to what uh, uh, what we uh, what we want to discuss and then we can you know converge by saturday or so by the way just to let you know uh, krishna and kishor are taking the liberty of sharing this so one of the things that krishna said that is going to help is take all the chat dump that we've had right and create topic wise pages okay so oh use some keywords and a way of sorting it out or putting it and then later on we'll figure out how we can compile it like a book okay so it will be useful for future seekers saying that whatever this group has thought about in different topics you know we may have to do a lot of editing work but i think the you know grunt of the work will be done by the ai ml guru out there in that <laughs> in this thing then we, we can give on... him the chat. he joined because he joined quite late so he had a whole yeah, chat exactly. before he joined so we need to give him that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i already different. given him <laughs> all that yeah. you have okay got it so, right right uh, rajesh i was just thinking about that and you started uh, you said the same thing so Uh, the idea that uh, occurred to me when Vivek was talking, saying, "Hey, let's ask questions." Is uh, uh, maybe we can add some kind of a hashtag to questions to make it easier uh, to categorize, right? So, if you have a question, maybe that can be hashtagged as a question, and then on a topic, that topic can also be hashtagged in the WhatsApp chat itself uh, to make things idea. easier for Krishna uh, to uh, to compile it into categories. Yeah. Makes sense. For example, if you want to ask a question, let's say a question: What is karma yoga? You put hashtag question. What is hashtag karma yoga? Yeah, hashtag Q and then hashtag karma or karma yoga. Yeah, it would be. It, 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 wouldn't that help, uh, Krishna? Oh yes, yeah, sure. Definitely. So I we we really don't know. You know, we've just floated this idea a couple yeah. of weeks back, and we said, okay, we've been mulling on it. Krishna right. done some work, but I haven't had a chance to look at it at all. okay but uh, we will figure out something hopefully it will come out to come out to be a live, nice edited book because you know i know that we have links we have videos and all that but unless until you know someone participates in this group on a regular basis it's difficult for anybody to follow but we felt okay if there is a way that we can compile this in the form of a book then maybe you know we can create a companion guide for somebody to read this book and say there's this bunch of guys one year they studied this book together this is what they thought you know maybe you're benefited because of this Okay, so help us, and you yeah. know, definitely need all of us to start editing the. But that's step two. But first step is hashtag. All right. Okay, Alpana, over to you. Om Purnamada, Purnamidam, Purnamadhyate, Purnasya. Jiri today. Enjoy your weekend and uh, bye everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Thank you everyone. Bye. 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 B